0: This is Nico Hoon, and you're listening to Appetite for Distortion with Brando. To it.
1: This is Appetite for Distortion. Welcome to the podcast, Appetite for Distortion, episode one hundred and sixty-one. My name is Brando. Uh, as I'm recording this Thursday, December the twelfth, it's been a long day for me. Uh, earlier this morning, I did one of those uh, radio tours that I've mentioned on the podcast before, where somebody comes in and and whether it be an author or a musician, like I've had Dave Mustaine on on the phone, where the the, the shorter interviews and they're promoting something specific. So this morning, I had I was uh, running a radio tour for a guy who wrote a book about Jeffrey Epstein, if you're familiar with that topic. So that was a very impactful two hours. And then I did the, uh, the Buck Sexton Show, conservative radio, uh, board oping for that. And I did mention, of course, the, uh, the podcast, which is really nice of him. You know, he's on, uh, Buck is on like a hundred stations or, uh, around the country and he lets me talk about Guns N' Roses and appetite for distortion. And actually, tomorrow, uh, again, as I'm recording this, he he wants he's like, "I'm going to give you a whole segment to talk about your podcast." I'm like, "Really? Okay, sure." I'm like, "So hopefully, we'll have even more people, more bad apples, join the uh, the AFD show." And, and then now, because my my radio brain is just all over the place, a conversation I've been looking forward to for for quite some time uh, on the line with us, Nico Hoon. And you may be familiar with the the last name, the the the, the famous, uh, the late and great Shannon Hoon, from from Blind Melon. Nico, uh, the daughter of, and you said that you're you're 24, right, Nico?
0: Yes, yes, I'm 24.
1: Ah, oh, 24. I I told you off the air because we were chatting before the podcast. I remember when I was 23 and I moved up to Cape Cod from from Long Island to start my radio career. So. And I'm only 36. A lot can happen. <laughs> I feel like it's so long ago. A lot can happen in, in 12 years. But uh, just for, before we start I mean, off and running and find out all about you, and uh, because we've we've had uh, some of the Blind Melon family on the show. We had Christopher Thorne on. Uh, we had Danny Clinch, who's the director of an upcoming— well, I shouldn't say it's upcoming because it's out, but only limited right now— a documentary that features your dad. A lot of it was shot by him. Uh, yeah. called all, all. I can say. So we're gonna talk about the documentary. We're gonna talk about you and your music career. Um, sure, we'll, we'll see wherever else it takes us. But first, just just welcome and thank you so much for giving me your time today.
0: Yeah. Hey, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it.
1: No problem. Uh, where are you calling from? If you don't mind me asking.
0: Uh, good old Indiana. Oh, actually, I live okay. uh, in West Lafayette. Oh. So right, right next to my dad's hometown.
1: Oh, that's very cool. Uh, Guns N' Roses fans know uh, Lafayette quite well because that's where Axl Rose is from. And then obviously your dad, Shannon. So it's that's that's interesting. You never I don't know, because I have to imagine that you're surrounded by because you've gone on stage with Blind Melon. And I'm sure you've met all sorts of cool people. You you, you want to stay in, in, in Lafayette or I, uh, the, the towns around there? You never wanted to move to. You know, L.A. or or New York. You're happy, kind of being a, a small town girl.
0: Well, I definitely want to move to California. That's like my main uh, main goal. Because in West Lafayette, in Lafayette area, you can't really make a music career here. I Feel like you have to be in a bigger city, sure. or at least for me. And I like bigger city vibes as well. So,
1: well, sure. It's just like how I alluded to. I mean, Axel wasn't going to start Guns N' Roses in Lafayette. He had a you know, famously moved to uh, Los Angeles to make that happen. So I'm sure the same thing is going to happen to you. So, you know, one of the, obviously the main reasons why you're you're on the radar is the all-I-can-say film. Now, I wish I had seen it. I don't think I was privy enough to see it because I am located in, in Tribeca, and I think I just didn't do the, the math right and, and, and noticed that Danny and... and you were in town also when it premiered at the Tribeca Film Festival. You were here too.
0: Yes, yes, I was in New York.
1: Yeah, I, 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 I want to see it. I'm dying to see it. You know, after I, I put out that, that episode with with Danny, that's all everyone was was talking about. Where, when, where, and when can I see this? And you know, it's been hitting a lot of other circuits around uh, the the states, winning all sorts of awards, and finally, it's going to be coming out next year, 2020. So. You know, we spoke to Danny how long of a journey this has been. I, I don't even know if you can answer that. Is it a two-part thing of how long of a journey it's been just with the documentary? Or is it how long of a journey it's kind of been with you and your family? Is, is that a fair way to look at it?
0: Yeah. So I, it's, been, I, it's been going on for a super long time, which is awesome because, you know, they put so much dedication and work into this film. Um, so that they could portray it in a, like a real way to really well like res- represent my dad, and so I remember them coming to, to my mom's house, um, probably when I was in like like sixth grade, and coming and like talking to me, and that was like the first time I got to meet Colleen, who's um, also a director of the film, and so they've been working on this for a really long time, and you know it's it's an amazing film. They did a really, really great job.
1: Had you seen any of the footage beforehand? Because obviously, you know, home movies are—I mean, it's kind of a lost art in a way. Because everyone's filming everything now. Everything is just a Snapchat, an Instagram story. But I, you know, my dad would take around that big ass camcorder. You know, we, oh hey, my mom too. <laughs> right. We would have home movies, and uh, maybe you'd watch them once. I'm sure I have all my bar mitzvah tapes. Uh, stored away on VHS, which I don't want to look at. Me as a thirteen-year-old is too 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 awkward. I'm awkward now. <laughs> Imagine me as a thirteen-year-old. So, did you like watch these as home movies growing up at all, or did it all kind of come into your consciousness, as you said, like in sixth grade? Like people want to make a you know a movie about my dad with stuff that he had shot himself.
0: Yeah, it came more circle um, in sixth grade for me. Before that, I knew the tapes existed and I knew that they were there, um, but I had never like uh, actually like watched them. But I was like when I heard Danny uh, and them say that they were going to make a film about it, I was I was super excited because then that gave me the connection with my dad that I never, never got to have. Mm.
1: Um, How old so were you? So it was
0: really nice when when I found out they were starting to make that film.
1: Yes, um, I, I can I can only imagine because we were talking again off the the air a little bit because I, I wanted to for you to know me and where I come from and my, my audience does for the most part some things that I've had to go on with with my family so you know my dad passed away when I was 29 and it's it's awkward I mean because 30 is a big big age you know I have younger brothers who you know some weren't in, in college yet and there's a lot of different kind of informative years. So if you don't mind me asking, how young were you when when Shannon passed away?
0: Um, I was about three months old. Three. So I was, I was pretty young. I was still a newborn.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, th- that's difficult because I hear so much about my, my dad's dad, my grandpa, who knew me, you know, he he died when I was one. And just hearing what it, he was a wonderful person he was and, you know, uh, how he would have been so proud of all the things I've accomplished. And it's like I have no recollection of it. So I guess as you're growing up, you know, was there? I mean, obviously, there's a point where you're like, okay, I where's my dad? Or I, I knowing the fact that you know you have a dad, but when did you yeah. kind of when did it? Because you, again, you were so young. When did you kind of realize who your dad was? In addition to just being your your, your father, but as far as the importance he's had to. Well, millions and millions of fans, and being part of this mega rock band. When did that settle in for you?
0: I think the earliest I can remember was probably when when I was in like fifth grade, because that's about the time that that Blind Melon started up again. And I mean, before that, obviously, I had listened to their music, but I think as a child, it's hard to like wrap your head around that, um, around that thought that like that, like, my dad was, like, you know, in a rock band that was very successful. And um, I think when that finally came full circle for me was when, like, Blind Melon had started back up their tour. Because then, like, seeing all those fans come to the show, like, I went to the Vogue with them. Um, I want to say back in 2008, maybe? Somewhere around there. Actually, no, maybe, like, 2012. Um when i like first performed with them and it was it was crazy i think it brought brought it brought it more full circle for me like how like how much of an impact they had on people and seeing how many fans like showed up like to the shows it was crazy and i think that really opened my eyes to um to the band more or less
1: what i think has been so wonderful is the fact that you know, Blind Melon, Christopher Thorne, you know, the all the original members have, have, have really embraced you, have included you in everything. You know Yeah, yeah. How is how has that been? Did they kind of visit you when you were younger? Were they was it was it like Uncle Chris? You know, like how is the relationship because you know, their friend passed away. They could have just moved on as a band and, you know, it would be no slight to you or uh, or the Hoon family. They can do their own thing, but they kind of still Include you, not even still include you. to just just include you, and kind of keep that that family atmosphere to keep uh, Shannon's you know the spirit alive in that way. Where you know here's literally his his flesh and blood is is part is still with us.
0: Yeah, i honestly, they're like family to me. All of them are, and my mom is uh, has remained really good friends with them um ever since my dad passed away and she's really good friends um with like just all of them and so they they come and visit quite a bit and I go visit them quite a bit as well like usually on spring breaks I'll go out to California um and visit and we like we always have such great time because I mean they're like my family they're like my best friends like recently we were just in Amsterdam for the international premiere and um Rogers and Christopher were there from the band. And it's like, even when we don't see each other forever, right when we do see each other, it's like, oh, hey, I'm back with my buddies. And it's it's really nice being able to have them there because they're some of my favorite people and just so fun to be around.
1: Do you ever kind of like lose yourself uh, like in the moment when they're on stage and, and kind of just say like, you know, I'm experiencing what my dad had experienced. I'm seeing it from his point of view. When you're looking out in the crowd, especially when you're, you're going up on stage and, and singing, for example, change with them. Do you, do you does it feel any different than maybe when you just hanging out with them? Does it, do you feel any sort of a uh, different connection? Cause that's gotta be such a surreal moment. I, I, I have nothing personally to even compare that to.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It, it really is surreal. It's, it's an amazing experience for me, just to to be able to go up with them, and it definitely is a different experience because I feel like us performing together is more of like is more on like a personal level too, um, because you know the interactions that you have when you during the song, like just like like just all the interactions that we have like while the performance is going on. And then when we leave, it's like, you know, we're all, like, giving each other high fives and hugs. And it, it's an amazing feeling to be able to, to go up on with them. And they make me feel 100%, like, comfortable up there. Because usually I, I do feel a little nervous before I'm about to go up. But once I get up there and Christopher gives me his little little smile, then I'm like, okay, I got this. I've done this with them a bunch. so. It's it's really a, a great feeling to be able to go up there with them and and be able to experience that with them like my dad uh, used to.
1: So when did you I guess first start realizing that you had the talent that your your dad had uh, as far as singing and and playing the guitar? Like how young were you and were you um, or and maybe even in your mom? Like would she? I mean, I'm assuming now she's supportive, but something at the time. W- which perhaps maybe there was some tre- trepidation about becoming a professional musician that she may have been worried about because uh, it's not just a, of course uh your dad but how many musicians from all z- genres from all different decades have certain trials and tribulations that go along with being famous uh was there anything that you were concerned about going that route or you just you know one day as a little kid you were singing the the Pokemon theme song in the shower, and you just couldn't, you know, like, okay, no, I want to do this. Like, when did you realize that you, I guess, when did you, when did you want to do this? Like, I don't want to say you'd follow in your dad's footsteps, but to kind of go along the same path.
0: Oh, yeah, I've always, I've always wanted, I've always been, like, very interested in music, and it first all started with singing. Um, you know, I would walk around the house and sing all the time. All the time. I, I was huge on it. I'm big into music. And I started playing guitar when I was a sophomore in high school. I'm actually self taught so oh wow um so I would just sit up in my room for hours and hours and hours and just just play any song that I liked, sing along with it to the point where my mom like ended up getting me a microphone, which you know probably wasn't the best choice of hers because then I'm sure I was annoying her like the whole <laughs> time because I was singing it all the time hmm. <laughs> but I was, I've always been real big into music and it's always been like a passion of mine, a de-stressor for me. Um, just something that I've always really loved. And, you know, I mean, I'm sure, you know, at the, at the first thought of me being like, like I want to be a musician, it definitely probably freaked my mom out a little bit just cause she knows what the industry is like as well. Right. And, and what you can get tied into as a musician. Um, but she, you know, She's she's got a great heart and will always support me through whatever I do. Um, all my family will, I think. So
1: that's pretty amazing, though, that you've you're self-taught because I'm sure you kind of had so many options to be taught by some of the best, you know. And and did that even cross your mind? Did anyone ask to to help you? And you're like, no, no, I want to do this on my own. So I
0: started in lessons um, at this okay. little place downtown, and. I hated it I hated it so much I was like this is so boring I was like this is not fun and I was like I think I think in my head I was I was like I can have a lot more fun doing this solo rather than with a teacher and someone someone just teaching me like okay you go home and practice these two chords and then you come back and we'll practice them again and learn some new ones I was really interested in like just digging, like, deep down in the music right from the get-go, like, not really learning chords just randomly, but more looking up a song, learning the chord progression of the song, and then being able to play it and sing with it. And that's kind of, like, how I learned how to play chords. Did I would you... look up random songs that I liked at the time, play them, and then learn that way.
1: What were the random songs that you would, you would listen to? Because, I mean, it could be easy. You would say Blind Melon, but... I, I, I'm curious. If that even if it is Blind Melon, uh, what were you listening to and what really inspired you and and who were the bands that indirectly taught you how to play and sing?
0: So I listened to like a lot of different types of genres. Like uh Say Something I'm Giving Up on You is like one of the first songs that I, I remember playing on the guitar. That was like one of my favorites. And then also uh, mouthful of cavities was a blind melon track that I would definitely play. Um, I would I would do some John Legend, Tracy Chapman, um, and then there was some Rihanna songs that I really loved that I would play as well. Um, one in particular, California King Bed, which is still one of my fave songs um, from her. But I would yeah, I would just I would really bounce around. I was I was very into music and still am and just any song that I liked I would look it up and just keep it going. So I I would I would say it was a lot of different songs.
1: I already know this is a stupid question for me but uh I'm just I can't help but ask it with my my silly mind. Did anyone try to dress you up as the blind melon B girl growing up? Like for Halloween? <laughs>
0: No, surprisingly not, and I'm surprised at that too. <laughs> um,
1: You've never done it?
0: No, I was never dressed up as a B-girl. I could maybe rock it, though. Maybe.
1: I've done it. I'm just putting it out what? there. For I've, what? I've dressed Can up. You- <laughs> I, uh, and uh, this is actually kind of funny and almost scary, but this is uh, I mean, I have sh- I have a shaved head now because, uh, you know, you get older, you lose your hair. But when I was younger... I had, you know, probably around your age, I had long uh long hair down to my shoulders. I was going through my I wanted to be Axel Rose phase, Axel Rosenberg. And uh I mean, I, wow, I really changed. Uh I was clean-shaven. Now I have a beard. So I decided to wear a bee costume. And, you know, I had long hair. I, you know, clean-shaven. I have I do have uh two earrings. And I was at a bar uh, and I was visiting uh, with some friends up, uh, up in Binghamton College. We were at some bar and, well, first uh, I saw a bunch of, of course, the only other people there dressed as bees or women. So, you know, I go up to them and try my pickup line asking them if they want to cross pollinate. That didn't work. But there was there was all of a sudden like, you know, I'm at the bar waiting for a beer. And all of a sudden, I feel like the wings of my costume being kind of lifted up, up and down. And I turn around, and it's some black guy, and he thinks uh, I was a girl. He thought I was a girl, <laughs> and he saw my face, and he got just, its just like he went white, <laughs> and, he is, <laughs> and he and he ran away, and realizing I was a dude. <laughs> so uh, I've done the yeah, B- i I'm sure I'm sure your experience, if you ever decide to do a B girl, will be uh uh. Less, uh, less scary than mine. <laughs> now,
0: <laughs> it do, may come in the future. We'll see.
1: Maybe. Do you remember the first time? Because uh, I, I don't know. I mean, my mom used to play me. She still tells me to this day, uh, whams, wake me up before you go-go when I was two years old. She's like, you used, to, you used to bounce up and down in your crib. So I'm sure your mom played you music growing up. But do you remember, do you recall the first time you heard your dad sing?
0: Honestly, off the top of my head right now, no, but I mean, I'm sure that she played it around the house when I was younger and it's funny because like, you know, obviously I, I mean, I heard it back in like sixth grade when I performed with them in, um, at the Vogue, but it's, it's funny because I hear it everywhere. Sure. I hear like no rain all over the place. Yeah. Like now. And it's like, you know, when I was a kid, I wasn't, like, going to the grocery store to buy groceries. But now it's like when I go to the grocery store, I, like, sometimes will hear it. And um, I hear it in most random places, too. So it's, it's kind of fun to be able to be like, oh, hey, I know this song, you know.
1: <laughs> I'm assuming just to what the way your inflection is that it, it's always a positive moment. It's always a good moment whenever you hear that song or, or any other Blind Melon song. Because when you... You know, you lose someone, you know, especially, you know, tragically at, at a young age or, you know, even for me. And, again, I, I'll just use the examples that I, I can experience with because, again, we were talking uh, before the the podcast. And, you know, we we can relate on some things. And I'm sure most of my, my listeners, because we've all lost somebody, you know, whether it be to, you know, for, for with my dad, uh, depression, with, with your dad, uh Unfortunately, substance abuse it could be cancer or whatever it is. We all can r- relate to that moment, but sometimes you could be triggered by something. So for me, like any time, because my dad was a dentist, you know, if I see a commercial for a dentist, I can, I don't know, like some, it, it depends on the mood I am in that day. It could be like, hmm, you know, I, I really miss my dad and it can just be like, just like that. Not, nothing too sad, but there are other days yeah. where it really hits me. It's like, fuck, man, I really wish he was still around you know or other days i might just it's it's nothing it's just fleeting it's just like i you know it's a dentist commercial and nothing more so is it is it the same for you is it is it kind of like a day by day thing cuz the difference is i guess for me i knew, i knew him for 29 years you really didn't know does yeah. it is there a certain uh roll decks of emotions that you go through or is it just or, or yeah what is it for you when you ever you hear uh your dad when you're you know grocery shopping
0: I think it's kind of the same way um but for me it's like you know I'm usually really happy when I hear it because it's a great like you know just reminder for me too that you know my dad's still around and and maybe not physically but but in musically um and so it's, it's a nice reminder and it's fun uh it's fun to hear it too and my friends when they hear it you know they send it to me um, and be like, oh, hey, look what I heard today while I was out, and so that's really cool um, for me. But for the most part, it's 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 a happy thought. Um, I mean, there's there's been times where you know it's been like, damn, well, I really wish he was here, you know, and so um, so I say I say it goes both ways, but more on the happy side rather than the sad side for me.
1: Yeah, right on, right on, and I, I think that's the uh, the way he should be with the, the legacy that he. He laughed at it, I'm sure, you know, as saying this as a person who didn't know him, I'm sure he would want that. <laughs> that. That's, that's yeah, how, yeah, I, I'd hope so. Right on. Uh, so you kind of get to meet your your dad, though, with this film. And that's the interesting thing. You know, again, I, I just got to compare my thought process, which I know is shared by a lot of people, is, you know, my, my dad was not a public figure, you know. Uh, is it difficult? Is it difficult to have, you know, you? It's one thing if you were going to go home and just watch this, this, these, you know, videos shot by your dad with your your family or even with your your uh, blind melon family, but to have it out there to the world, is it weird? Is it? Do you feel like I guess? How does it feel for you to be sharing, you know, a part of you with the rest of the world? These you know, very intimate moments. I mean, there was such a, I think I told Danny, like it was really brilliant what your your dad did, especially with, he would show, I think he would show like the newspaper with the dates and, and news events that were going on. So it was really like, you you know when and where he was. It wasn't just random yeah. uh, shots. So how does it feel to, I guess, share your, your dad's literal vision and have that be exposed and shared with with everybody?
0: I think that it's really cool that I'm not just the only person who gets to hang out with him for an hour and a half. Sure. Cool. Um, yeah. I know I know from what Christopher has said, it's it's really nice for him to be able to hang out with his friend again. Mm. And so I think it's really cool that people get to experience uh, more or less like hanging out with him um, for that hour and a half and getting to know who he really was um, rather than just the singer of Blind Melon. So you get, to, you get to connect with him on a personal level um, through the film, which is, I think, the one of the most amazing parts about the film. And for me, that's it's really beautiful, too, because I get to hang out with my dad for an hour and a half. I like so, that. So it's really nice. It's really nice.
1: That's cool. Can you tell us um, about the film from your perspective for those who, you know, because, again, it, it was only limited release, uh, different festival circuits, you know, the name is finally getting out there. I'm sure it's going to be, you know, everywhere uh, next year. But for those of like who are just learning that all I can say uh, that, that that film is coming out, how would you describe it? What? Uh, yeah, just just tell those who are first learning about it, uh, about the documentary.
0: Oh, it's, it's so amazing. And and it's the um, something that's really interesting about it, too, is, you know, it starts. Um it starts on the day of his death. There's actually footage from that day. Um wow. and everything is time stamped. So so you know when the last video is coming by the time stamp, it just keeps getting closer and closer and closer. And that's just where it keeps getting more like gut wrenching because you know what's about to happen. Wow. Um and it's really cool to be able to like see everything because you know he started filming before blind melon was even was even like a band you know and so for that day and age it's, it was really rare for someone to even be filming that much um sure. so and it just you know it it resem it shows like a lot of even just like the small town guy stuff you know and just where it went from there um sort of thing which is is really is really cool um and I think it kind of like you know, it gives people like a hope, you know, like you know, even if you live in a small town, you can still be something and and experience whatever your dream is, you know. So I think that's really an inspiring part about the film, so, too.
1: Did you learn anything about your dad from the film, or did you just know? Did you know everything already, and it's just you're just putting it all together in film form? Like, what did you learn? So-
0: I did learn a lot and it's it's funny because like, you know, sometimes like the guys like Christopher will be like, will like tell me that that like something I do like reminds me of my dad or something. And so it was funny because like, you know, I saw some myself, I felt like in the film, like cause we were like, our personality was like semi similar. So it was like, you know, I definitely get being super social from him, I think, because in the film, you realize, wow, he was a social dude and talked to a lot of people. So, I see like a lot of myself in the film as well. And it's it's a weird thing for that I didn't get to know him on a personal level, but I still, um, I still show those traits that that he had as well.
1: That's special. I like that. Did, was there anything that maybe like the band members had learned that they didn't know? or as it like what Danny said they get to hang out with their friend again for a half an hour hour and a half rather
0: yeah I I think one thing that they learned is that they were getting filmed a lot when they had no idea that was one thing <laughs> too yeah, there's some there's some great scenes in the film where um like Rogers maybe didn't get or know that he was getting filmed and all this stuff so it was, it was funny for I think for them to see to see those and you know, from what I understand that my dad was always carrying around that camera. So it's like you never knew when he was filming. Cuz sometimes he would film just in like random places and random situations and be sneaky with the camera and so so it it was it was really funny to be able to like talk to them about about some of those scenes in the film cuz like yeah, Rogers has told me that he's like I didn't even know he was filming right there. So <laughs>
1: That's a trip. I love it. And and one of the scenes like we spoke about it with Danny Clinch. Of course, there's a major uh, connection between Blind Melon and specifically Shannon with with Guns N' Roses. Of course, uh, Shannon and Axel were great friends. Shannon sang on "Don't Cry," but we get to see Axel and, and Slash in the movie, right?
0: Yes, yes, you do. Um, and it's it's uh, that scene is hilarious. It's really funny. <laughs>
1: Should we leave it at that? Should we leave it as a teaser uh, and not spoil it?
0: Yeah, we'll leave it as we'll leave it as a teaser and not spoil it for now. Okay, Because then people can get a kick out of it for when they see it.
1: <laughs> Do you know if Axel and Slash uh, now are are aware that they're in the movie?
0: Um, I am not sure. Um, to be honest, when when the whole uh, kickoff for the movie was kind of taking place I'd actually went to a Guns N' Roses concert and met Axel, which was I would have been a sophomore in high school, so probably about six or seven years ago. Um and at that point, you know, we hadn't really talked about the movie but I don't think that, that they probably had it all together right then either. But honestly I'm not, I'm not sure if they if they know. I mean I'm sure now they
1: probably do but
0: but we've never actually like talked about it. <laughs>
1: about them being in there so how was the meeting axel
0: it was cool it was cool you know he's definitely a busy guy so he had some stuff going on but it was it was really cool i got to um i got to go up on the stage and watch a little bit and i was just one of my really good friends um so that was really special that he was able to join me and um so after the show we got to go we got to go meet him in his dressing room i Actually, had the pleasure of hanging out with the guys in the band for probably about like an hour, hour and a half. Nice. And that was really fun. It was cool. They were all really, really nice
1: people. You know, I was just thinking now, uh, I mean, I don't know how you feel about it, but I think it would be quite a statement, quite incredible if they brought you on stage for, for Don't Cry. I think that would be a really special moment. I, I, yeah,
0: I, that would be really cool, actually. That would be awesome.
1: Well, I'm going to put it out there in the universe because that I think that would be right. a, that, that would be, uh, you know, something else. So, with with the all I can say film, you know, that's obviously one of the reasons why I uh, reached out to you to to be interviewed. And you know, we were we were talking again. We were talking uh, off the air before. You haven't done too many of these interviews at all, uh, and it's you know, thank you again for your, your you know your your time. But in addition to just you know, you having a, a famous dad in this movie coming out, you know, you have your own thing. We were talking about it before. So, you know, tell us more about your career. Like you said you weren't, you know, are you, are you full 100% in this? Are you pursuing Nico Hoon music or is it kind of just a side thing now? Like where are you at uh, with your, your life and I guess career at the moment?
0: So I actually have uh, a band with my friend Chris um, called Garden Street, so, so we're, like, pursuing that more than, my Nico Hoon music page is just for everybody to follow me and, and for me to be able to, um, to, uh, like, post about Garden Street and get people aware that, like, hey, we're gonna come out with something, and actually, um, um, at the beginning, or at the end of this month, we are gonna release our first single. So, So it's called crashing down. So be looking out.
1: I like the name of that garden street. Uh, was that the street you grew up on? Where, where did that name come from?
0: So it's actually a street from my hometown. Um, and, uh, it's somewhere where I hung out for a lot of my, uh, high school years. And so, so we, uh, You know, we just came up with it that way, um, and it just kind of stuck. I've been friends with my with my bandmate since I was in like sixth grade, so we go way back. We've been hanging out for a long time. Surprised we haven't gotten sick of each other and decided to make a band.
1: (laughs) So, So is it a duo at the moment?
0: Yeah, yeah, it's a duo. It's a duo, but um, we are trying to work with other artists as well, Um, and some local. Um so we're just trying to get our name out there.
1: Right on. But I
0: think it's this the song is something that a lot of people can relate to as well. It it's a, it's a really cool vibe. It's it's very different than, you know, aside from like Blind Melon and stuff, it's very different. It's more of like an indie indie pop genre. Um Okay but it's it's a really cool song and me and my friend worked worked really hard on it and it was a lot of editing lyrics and um and coming up with with just composition and everything but you know it turned out it turned out really nice and was really what we were looking for
1: and i can't wait to to hear it please let me know when the the single comes out and i'll i'll share it oh that. i will for sure yeah i'll share the hell out of it do you feel any Pressure with the the name hoon of what people expect from you, or does it kind of feel like this is just a natural progression of my life and I'm ready?
0: Not honestly, I don't really feel that much pressure to to have to live up to like a standard that like you know because I mean a lot of people, like everybody with, like with my dad being a musician and all people definitely say that I get my voice from him, which is kind of cool. It's kind of another thing that I, that I brought or that he passed on to me. Um, but a lot of people tell me I sound like him too. So like, I mean, he's obviously like way better than me, of (laughs) course, (laughs) but you know, it's, I mean, I don't feel any pressure or people trying to compare very much. I feel like for the most part, all the feedback I've gotten is very positive, um, at blind melon shows at, at, uh, like in Amsterdam, I got some, I got some very positive feedback. Um, from a few artists that had showed up to uh, to the um, all I can say uh, premiere party, so so that was really cool. I've gotten I've gotten a lot of good feedback
1: from people. Right on, you have such a great attitude and, and personality towards everything because you just never know with these uh, celebrity children. Not to just limit it to just a, a throwaway phrase like that, but you just you never know, and it seems like. Like you can tell that your mom did a really good job with you, just the way that. you... Oh,
0: thank you. Hey, I appreciate <laughs> that, and I'm sure she does
1: too. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. She I mean, raised me well. Uh, I mean, you could tell. I mean, moms in general don't get enough credit, but you can just tell. I mean, it could be. There's a lot of ways. I mean, it can be a, a really confusing, especially when, you know, again, again, because comparing it to myself, I'm older, and I, I, I see all my my younger brothers are we're all four years apart, so it's like we all kind of experienced. That loss at a different phase in our in our life, and while we share this this common bond, you can kind of at least I can see how it affects them a little bit differently, considering where they are in life. And you and that can be said of anybody. So you just you didn't know, and you can see the the upswing of, of your life and your career that it's it's still going to continue that way. And you know, I said it before. Uh, I, I was look I, I didn't get to see. Unfortunately, I didn't. I, I think I was too young. Uh, At the time to see Blind Melon live, but I, uh, with with your doubt, but I I happened and I was glad uh, to see Blind Melon. Maybe it was like a year or two ago. And it was phenomenal. It was such a great show. I I think I was kind of hoping that you would show up. And and, and Christopher, you know, invited us backstage. Me, my cousin, and my girlfriend were there. We hung out with the band for a little bit. And it's such a, a family atmosphere. And it's a testament to them. Like their musicianship speaks for themselves, speaks for itself. But as far as yeah. people, I mean, that just says a lot about them as people. That they continue. You know, it, it's not just like oh, our our singer's daughter or our friend's daughter. You are you are part of that family. You are Blind Melon, really. You are part of that that uh, that family tree, and it's uh, it just it says a lot about them as as people and. Um, I don't know. It, it's nice. You don't always hear about that in, in the world, these these nice stories and people coming together. Uh, so much negativity out there. And it's just, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm glad Blind Melon is still out there doing it. I'm I'm glad you're pursuing your, your love. And uh, obviously I'm super excited to see this this film, all I can say when it comes out next year. And we just don't know how yet, right? We don't know if it's going to be, uh, digital or movie release, Where those details have still yet to be put out, I believe, but it's what we know for a Yeah, fact.
0: yeah, they're still yet to be put out as of right now, so.
1: Hey, as long as we know that it's coming out, like, just at all, uh, I, I think yeah. is, is good news. So I, and I'm
0: so happy that other people get to experience it as well, because it's amazing, it's amazing.
1: What is, I, I guess, what's the, the main thing that you would like to, for people to whether it be from the film or not what is the main thing that you want people to know about your dad
0: you know he had his flaws but you know through the film you see this that he was just an amazing human being and and it's really nice to be able to experience that and get to hang out with such an awesome person
1: well, uh, as you said to me off the air, sorry for my loss. I'm sorry for your loss. I know it was uh, when you were a little baby, but it, it doesn't matter. You know, your dad is always going to be your dad, and, and you had quite a special one. And I'm and uh, I'm, I'm grateful. His, his fans are grateful that you're sharing this hour and a half with us, and I can't wait to see it. And, you know, I, I hope that you, you, you visit New York, and uh, hopefully Garden Street goes out on the road, and I get to catch you in New York, and we get to shake hands.
0: Oh, hey, I'd love that. That sounds like a good plan to me.
1: So the best way to, for people to keep track of uh, of your music and perhaps the film is the best way on Instagram, uh, Nico Hoon Music. Is that the best way?
0: Yeah, that's probably the best way. Um, I try to post on there every once in a while. Sometimes I have a hard time with social media because I'm not really super great at it. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, Nico Hoon Music would be where where you can find out more about Garden Street. And we actually have an Instagram for Garden Street as well, which is in uh, my bio okay. of uh, Nico Hoon Music. So.
1: Right on. Well, I'm glad you were receptive to my my DM and in, in, in scheduling this interview. So, you know, uh, it made me feel good that you were excited about it, you know, because I obviously was excited about it. So, oh, I see. It's a garden, at Garden Street Sounds that's there. Yeah. And you can also follow All I Can Say Film on Instagram as well. Nico, just thank you so much for your time and continued success. And uh, the sky's the limit for you.
0: Yeah. Hey, thanks. I really appreciate it, Brina.
1: What a sweetheart. You just, you just never know. Like how I, what I kind of said to her, you just never know. I mean, we all have problems. We all have the potential to have problems, regardless of you know, what our parents may or may not have done. But it, it's nice to see the, the tragedy of what happened with, with Shannon. You know, you you have, you know, his his daughter really. You hear it in her voice. You know, she's such a positive and and well spoken and and smart young lady. <laughs> God, I'm only thirty six. I shouldn't be saying that, uh, but it's just it's it's wonderful. And again, the community that that Blind Melon has created. I still can't get it out of my head what Christopher Thorn told us on on the podcast that he makes less money now. To be back in Blind Melon than when he was a producer, you know, because after you know Shannon passed away, like, what do you do? You know, you can try making other, ba- you know, another band, but how? It's so hard to become successful once. You know, the, how do you do it again? So you know, he was making a lot of money being a producer, but when he met Travis, the the new lead singer of, I shouldn't say new because he's been in the band for a while, but uh, Travis, the current lead singer of of Blind Melon. Uh, something clicked and he wanted to play the songs and he never really got to play too much with, with Shannon. And he's having a blast. I mean, if you follow them on social media, they are a real blast and just a, a great band to, to follow. Again, not just musically, but as people. So it's awesome. And I, I think it's great that forever Blind Melon and, and Shannon will be connected with with Guns N' Roses, this Guns N' Roses family tree you know it's it's not just like okay GNR is associated with some of these other great bands but you know selfishly for the podcast we got to talk to some great people because of you know the 6 degrees of GNR bacon that we do so that where where did it take us it took us to Nico Hoon so i i hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as i did so before we get out of here let's do a quick news Brought to you by AlternativeNation.net. And it's a good thing that I had planned on putting this podcast out the the day after I recorded it with uh, with Nico. And I know I'm, I don't need to break the fourth wall and make it confusing with timing and everything. But the news broke today as I'm recording this section of the episode of, of the podcast. So it's Friday the 13th. Oh, I got I to gotta do the sound clips from a Friday the 13th part four. I
0: don't believe you, Axel. Oh, Axel. Axel, you are the Super Bowl of self-abuse.
1: <laughs> if you forget, uh, if you're not as big into horror movies, and Friday the 13th as I am, there was a character named Axel in uh, the final chapter, which turned out not to be the final chapter of that series, got brutally murdered, <laughs> like everybody else does, by the hands of Jason Voorhees. Uh, but Friday the 13th it was a good day in the Guns N' Roses world because... They just announced a massive Europe and South America tour for next year. Holy crap I mean I'm not gonna get the go because uh, I'm here in New York and I st- don't yell at me. my girlfriend already does. I need to get a passport. I don't have a passport. The only other country I've been to is Canada and at the time that I, I went you didn't need a passport to go so I, it just never happened but I need to re- renew my license and whatever you don't give a shit. But I'm happy for all of you who get, are going to definitely go see Guns N' Roses in 2020. So that is pretty badass. That's pretty breaking news. And uh, what what do you say about this tour that was uh, that is, I guess, still called "Not in This Lifetime"? Yeah, any chance are you guys doing a reunion tour with a full lineup in the future? Not in this lifetime. And you know that kind of always meant Slash. I know it's still not a, a full reunion, but is "Not in This Lifetime" is that what this? section of this world tour continues to be, uh, forever in a lifetime. Uh, I got a, a nice comment on Facebook calling it the never ending story. I love it. If you don't know, I have a three quarter sleeve of the never ending story movie on my right arm. So, uh, I appreciated that comment, but, uh, yeah, we're, we're still talking about, is it going to be the same kind of set list? Is it going to be half covers? Uh, no new music, no new songs. (sighs) I've said it before. Considering where we were as a fan base, we just had we had nothing, you know. Whether it would be the, the Chinese democracy era, uh, we were the butt of all the jokes. It's never going to come out, and when it finally came out, you know, people were making fun of us for being GNR fans because of the the new lineup. But I think we're in a good place now. Obviously, we all want new music. Why would you not want that? Especially if you heard what has leaked. There's a lot to be excited about. I, I hope it does come out. So we sh- we shall see. I really do believe, in addition to new tour dates, something new is going to happen. I guess have no idea when, or where, <laughs> or why, or how, or whatever. Uh, but I'm going to keep the faith. But that's still pretty great that Guns N' Roses is, is continuing well into the the next decade, 2020. Uh, so that'll do it for this episode of Appetite for Distortion. A couple of guest notes that I will mention: Rod Jackson. I was actually supposed to record with him today, but it always happens. Just time zones throws people off. But we still connected on the phone, and we're going to record in a couple days. And he is so pumped. He actually might even give us some brand new music to debut. Speaking of new music or not having Rod Jackson has new music that he actually may give to us to share on the podcast. So that is pretty amazing. Uh, also on deck, we're going to get Mike Levine from Triumph, which is quite awesome. You know, I, I, I like expanding again, like what you wouldn't think of, of a, like a guest on the guns and roses podcast. Who could you get? And I wouldn't think Triumph and what the connection uh, may be. So we're going to find out even if there is a connection, of course, there. are they're reuniting for this, you know. Uh, I mean, they're they're up there. It's it's the year of of reuniting for all these bands. I, I, I said it on on social media. A lot of you commented. I, I really believe that these classic rock bands saw what Guns and Roses did, even with three fifths of the original lineup, and they're like, "There's a lot of money to be made." Of course, there is. Uh, it's crazy. Bullet Boys. Bullet Boys are back. The only ones I, I, one, I really, yeah, let's say ones. Led Zeppelin. Uh, I mean, Robert Plant is really sticking to it. You would have thought that it's the perfect scenario with, you know, Bonham's son playing, just like the Eagles are out with Glenn Fry's son. I think that's special when you could do that with a family member. Just like how how awesome would it be if Nico Hoon sang, Don't Cry with Guns N' Roses with Axl Rose? That would be amazing. So Zeppelin and Skid Row. I just can't believe it. If if Motley Crue can put up with Vince Neil, you're telling me that Sebastian is that much? He he's so much worse than Vince Neil. Savage animal. It is savage. I want the Savage Animal. That's that's the one I, I really want. Of course, we all want Zeppelin, but I I've never seen Skid Row. That's that's I would love to see Skid Row. I've at least been in a room. With Led Zeppelin. I'm not sure if I ever mentioned that story. But real quick before we get out of here. This is when they were releasing that Celebration Day DVD. They reunited, I don't know, it was like mid 10 or so years ago at the London O2 Arena. And they put it out on DVD. And they did a big uh, press conference at the Museum of Modern Art here in New York City. And I don't know how I got invited to it. Because uh, I was working on a Long Island station at the time. But I did, and I really felt like, I'm like, how am I here? Why am I here? I felt like it didn't belong. It was like radio elites, all this crazy stuff. And I was in the room with Robert Plant, Jimmy Page, you know, John Paul Jones, and uh, it was just holy crap. I mean, of course, they only answered questions, usually, you know, mostly about a reunion, but just to breathe the same air as <laughs> Zeppelin was pretty uh, pretty amazing. Well, all right, so that does it for Appetite for Distortion uh, please, by all means, keep sending us. Oh, there's another guest I, I completely uh, forgot to mention. This is Jimmy Webb. If you're a Guns N' Roses fan, you know who Jimmy Webb is. He You saw a lot of pictures of him with, with Slash and Duff. He's personal friends with them. He's personal friends with Iggy Pop and Debbie Harry. He owns a store out here in, uh, I want to say the village or something. I forget where it is in the city. I still have yet to visit it, and it's it's been on my to-do list for such a long time. I will, hopefully, before uh, he comes in studio. I believe he's going to come in studio. He owns a uh, rock and roll clothing store called I Need More. He's great friends with the entire McKagan family. Uh, So if you know Guns N' Roses like most of the listeners of this podcast do, you know who he is. But uh, even if you don't, it's going to be an amazing conversation. Uh, Because he said, like, the last—I mean, he was recently interviewed uh, by Ryan Roxy. Uh, but before that I think the first the only other radio interview he's ever done was uh, at Studio fifty-four. <laughs> that in itself and the fact that he's just, you know, legit friends with with Slash and Duff and Niggy Pop and Debbie Harry and Ewan McGregor and all he's just like a beloved figure in the community. And I've wanted him on the podcast for a long time. So uh big thank you to uh I believe it's Leia Williams. She's the listener of the show from England. And she did what a lot of you have done. She helped me book a guest. And as her reward, she's going to be a co-host. Because I, sp- I reached out to Jimmy before, and he wanted me to come down to the store and kind of get to know each other before doing an interview, which is totally fine and great. But with my crazy work schedule, it's just hard. I mean, if you, knew, you know New York City at all, it's like you can't just you know, go take a detour somewhere just to visit. It's like everything is just like a, a whole day. Everything just takes a day to do. So, uh, I, I, again, as I mentioned, I have yet to visit. I need more. But she did when she visited uh, New York, obviously, and she asked me before she even visited, like, would you want me to try to get Jimmy Webb on the show? I'm like, of course, if you could pull that off. And, you know, she she hooked it up, spoke to Jimmy on the phone, and he's, he's pumped to do it. He wants to come down in the studio. Uh, we're going to connect with Leia. Uh, via Skype or however we uh, we do it here. So she'll play my co-host. So again, going forward, send me messages on facebook.com slash the AFD show or on Twitter at the AFD show, whether it's just... A lot of you just tell me like Guns N' Roses stories or, or just... Yeah, a lot of you just wanted to share, talk to someone about Guns N' Roses, which is totally cool. But of course, you can suggest a guest. And as your your reward, you can help me interview that guest. I mean, how many... Do any shows do that? I just feel like I could do radio with anybody. I I've just been put through the ringer in my career, so I just I don't think there's anybody that I just can't have some sort of rapport with. And I think it's a fun opportunity to give the listener you. So I wonder. I don't have giveaways. I can't give you money. I can't give you a car. So I'll I'll give you airtime. <laughs> How does that sound? That of course. uh in addition to playing co-hosts, we're going to do more fan obsessions. Fan. Session. Where you come on and you tell your Guns N' Roses story. So that sounds good, right? So that's coming up. Uh, please follow and subscribe. Thank you. However you listen, whether it's on the, uh, the iHeartRadio app, on Spreaker, on Stitcher, on Google Play, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. However you listen, thank you. And tell a friend. Even if they're not the biggest Guns N' Roses fan, we have interviewed a guest for them. You know it. Not just rock stars ranging from Alice Cooper to Dave Kushner of Velvet Revolver. We, we have interviewed comedians, Jim Brewer, Tom Green, Paulie Shore, obviously.
0: Guns N' Roses.
1: I mean, Pollyanna McIntosh from The Walking Dead, CM Punk. Uh, just we have a guest for for everybody and again we just do it with that the guns and roses M night Shyamalan twist you know, just to make it a little bit different so thanks for hanging out again on Appetite for Distortion When will you hear the next episode? Well the words of Axel Rose concerning Chinese democracy. I don't know if soon is the word, but you'll see it. No! Fuck it!